And I'm ready to get into the Word if you're ready for that. Are you ready for that this morning? Well, let's just pray and bless our time of, of study and time in the Word together this morning. Father, I thank You that You have a Word to speak through this message today. I thank You that as we go to the Word, the Word that is firm and eternal like we shared about a minute ago, like it is written in Psalm 119, I thank You that this Word is effective. This Word is true. This Word is something we can stand upon, something which we can build our life upon, something which we can base decisions out of, something that we can trust that this is the right way to live. This is your plan for us to live. This is the way that Christ came to reveal and show us. And so, Lord, with hearts wanting to seek you and pursue you above all other things, we look to your word for, for the ways that we live today. We look to your word for truth today. We look to your word for answers, for, for our faith to be built up, for hope. Lord, we thank you that our belief is, is solidified when we spend time in your word. Our faith is solidified as we spend time in your word. I thank you for that this morning. I thank you that your Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us is revealing, is teaching like Jesus promised he would do, that as we share these words, as we read the word this morning, it wouldn't just be words I speak out or thoughts that we have in our own mind, but it would be, uh, it would be revelation and teaching from you, God, beyond the understanding or wisdom of man in a greater capacity than what um, we could have on our own. We thank you that the strength of, of you in our life enables us to go so much further and know you so much better than we could without the Spirit. And so we thank you for that. And we have expectation of revelation and truth and understanding this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I want to go this morning to 2 Corinthians 5 to start this lesson off. 2 Corinthians 5. And I'm going to dive right in, read a few scriptures this morning. I'll, I'll tell you our title here in a few minutes. But we're going to talk about being representatives of Christ. This is one of the main themes. And I think... I've got a pretty good feeling that this is going to turn into a series for a couple weeks. We're going to talk about being ambassadors for God. And when you see the title, it'll bring kind of another layer into that. But we're going to go through this morning just a couple of the things that we as representatives of God are meant to have in operation in our life. Things that Christians ought to have going on um, to do the work of representing Christ effectively well. I want to look through a few of these. I want to look at some aspects of being a representative of Christ. And I just want to encourage you this morning morning that you're able to do these things. These aren't just like a, a call out to do something that I don't have any ability to do. This is something God has made a way. God has provided it and made it possible for us to do this. And so I believe this morning that as we highlight these things that we have well, we ought to intentionally do as representatives of God. Intentionally, uh, we're going we're gonna to read in, in Colossians later, put on these things of God. We're going to see how it, number one, how it looks to put these things on, but also how it's beneficial um, to us and to others and to the kingdom to do so. So let's read 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 this morning. And we're going to start by kind of giving like a condensed summary of the gospel. And then we're going to jump into this part about representing Christ. 2 Corinthians uh, 5, verse 18. 18, I'm in the New Living Translation. It says, And all this is a gift from God who has brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Hallelujah. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. 
And, and I was just thinking even more about this and praying more about it this morning. And it's like we get right here in 2 Corinthians 5, this condensed version of the gospel. Christ came to reconcile us. He has changed us. And now he's given us a message to go and share about reconciliation with others. I mean, that, that is way condensed on what happened with, with Christ coming. But that's the gist of it. He came to make us right, to pay the price on our account with God and bring us back to a point where we are in right standing with him. He made us righteous. He reconciled us to God. And now he's given us this message to go out and share the good news with other people. You know, I've often said this um, before. I, I guess I don't know if I've preached it up here, but I know I've had conversations with people about it. Sometimes I think, man, it would have been awesome when I got right with God if I could have just gone to heaven to be with him. Because the more I understand what it's like to be right with God, the less I want to be down here with all of the unrighteous stuff. Because it truly is going to be better. In, it's going to be perfect in heaven. All right. And so I'm looking forward to that day. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. And sometimes I have this thought of myself like, God, why, why couldn't I just have gone to be with you the second I got born again? The second that I was made righteous. Like, I wouldn't have to deal with all this junk that's out of line with what I agree. I would just be living in harmony and peace. Like what the church is supposed to be like, right? In Romans 15, like we read this morning. And so sometimes I ask myself that. But, but if we just took it there, you know, I've been made right with God. God, now I can be present with God. I can have a relationship with God. I can be in God's presence. But then we've got this other side of salvation, which is go and preach the gospel. Go and share this message of reconciliation. And the reason for that is God is faithful and he wants everybody to hear. He wants every tribe, tongue, nation to hear the message of the gospel. This word of reconciliation that you've been made right with God. Your account balance has been paid. The wages of death are paid off. And now you can live in a right relationship with God. There's a little gospel summary for you. It's good news because now I'm balanced out. I am able to be with him and I've been given purpose here you know that's a big thing too to know that I have a purpose here I think people can spend their whole life looking for purpose and that's not totally the the foundation of this message today but I want you to know you've got a purpose if you've got Christ You've got a purpose if you've got Christ. If you've received Jesus in your heart and made him your Lord and Savior, you've got a purpose, which is to go and share the good news. To go and tell people, Jesus paid the price for you to be made right with God. And so you're going to be blessed if you just go ahead and do that. If you just receive salvation, reconciliation, and righteousness, your life is going to be better here and you're going to have it for eternity. Amen. And so um, we... we we don't do the work of reconciliation. I want to make this distinction too, because in verse 20 it says we're in Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. So we're not here to do the work of reconciliation, but we're here to share the message of reconciliation. What does that mean? What is that difference? Christ came and did all the work that needed to be done. Christ came and paid all the accounts off. So that's finished. We're here to tell people about it. Which is the easier job, just so you know, isn't it? I mean, to just share about something that's been done. I mean, anybody can do it. We do that every day. Hey, did you hear about such and such? Hey, did you hear about so and so? I mean, we talk about stuff all the time. Let's talk about what Jesus has done. Let's talk about what Jesus has done. Amen? Because I'll tell you, when, it's as, when this is as real to us as the things that are going on around us, we're going to talk about it. Isn't that true? I mean, if something's real to me and valuable to me and happen, I mean, I talk about stuff that's not even really like affecting me that much, or at least not yet. I have opinions about things that I have no business having opinions about. And sometimes I share them with people. I know I'm the only one who's guilty of that. Amen. <laughs> but if something's real to me and, and I really have an experience with something or even just information, 
I'm going to end up talking about it with people. I don't have to figure out how to save some person. Christ already did that. God already put the plan of salvation together. I just need to share it with people. I just need to say, hey, there's this really simple plan to get you right with God. And his name is Jesus. And if you'll receive him as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. Amen. And so the gospel, it's, I love the way Pastor Dave, my grandpa, used to say it. He's, it's just too doggone simple. And it really is. It's just too simple. We can make it this big thing. It's really simple. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Amen. And so we've got the gift that God gave us, which is reconciliation. We've got this gift, and that's what it's called in 2 Corinthians 5. is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Now we've got a mission, which is to go and share the message. And here in verse 20 of this passage, as we get this condensation of the gospel, it says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, which I'm not trying to spend a lot of time here, but it's so important. Do you get the weight of this? Do you get the weight of what it's saying right here? We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Do you, do you get that? Like we read about disciples and, and the apostles and we read about Jesus and we read about John the Baptist. That's who God was making his appeal through in that time. Christ didn't just make the appeal. He also did the work. Praise the Lord for that. We are those people today. We are the appeal makers today. We are the people that have the word of God to share with others today. I don't ever want Christians to think less of themselves in this day and time than what they ought to. And and you shouldn't think more of yourself than you ought to either. Don't think you're the savior or you're the power or you're any of that stuff. But I'll tell you, like, we have to understand that God is wanting to communicate with the world the good news of Jesus coming and making us right with God through us. And so if we don't do it, who's going to do it? I want people to hear about Jesus. I don't know about I want people to get to heaven and live with God and, and with me and with Jesus. And it says right here in 2 Corinthians 5, God is making his appeal through us. Say that with me. Through me. God wants to appeal. God wants to share people, share with people the good news of righteousness. And so, and, and I love the, even here, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. I mean, there's a, there's a simple statement you can make. Most people would probably think, what are you even talking? If I said, come back to God, people would not know what to do with that. But it'd be a great end point to start talking about Jesus, all right? So I want to just set up this framework, okay? We have received this good news. Now we are given a mission to go and make the appeal. God is making his appeal through us. We are Christ's ambassadors. Let's talk about that word ambassadors for a little bit. We find um, part of our identity as a Christian on earth right now is in this passage right here. Part of what I am as a believer is an ambassador. If I'm a believer, I'm an ambassador. You should just write that one. If you're taking notes, write that down. If I'm a believer, I'm an ambassador. They go together. Just like how when I'm a believer, I'm a child of God. When I'm a believer, I'm an ambassador. I'm a representative because this is part of what ambassadors do. An ambassador represents um, the master. It represents who they're serving or working for. A representative acts as a a stand-in. They act as, you know, me in place of, of the person that actually has the power, the person that actually is making the deal or doing the work or uh, giving the thing or, or auditing the situation or the books or whatever. I mean, an ambassador is a person who is a stand-in, a representative of one who is greater than they. 
And we're that way with Christ. We are a stand-in in this way, not that we do the work for him, but we share the message for him. We communicate the message of the good news to people. We're ambassadors in this way. We go with the agenda he's given us. And this is a big thing too. I'm not trying to camp out on this. I've got other stuff to get to this morning. But it's not that I set my own agenda. When I'm an ambassador, I am on mission with someone else's agenda in mind. And as Christ's ambassador, I got to know that I'm not here to do the things that I think I should do. I'm here to do the things I've been told to, appointed to in the New King James Version. And we might look at that more next week. It says elected to do. I want the elected representatives to do what I hired them to do. Amen. Can we all get on board with that? (laughs) We've been elected. And maybe you don't look at it this way, but you should. We've been elected by God to go and do something. And this is what we've been elected to do, to go and be ambassadors, representation, to make the appeal of the good news. And so I want you to know this. Every day, we are representing something. Do you know that? And and we don't think about it all the time. At least I don't think about it all the time. Every day, we are representing something. Here's a couple of like group identity or individual identity things you can represent. Every day, if, if you're hired by somebody, you're representing your boss. You know that when I go to work, I'm representing abundant life. When, when we go to work, we're representing our boss or the company. Um, we're representing our family. I remember my dad teaching me that lesson at one point. I, I was doing something dumb as like a middle schooler. And he said, I will not let you disgrace our family. And I was like, whoa, dad, that was heavy. And, and it was well-deserved, okay? I'm grateful for it now, just so everybody knows, okay? But um, he drove home this point like, hey, you're not just representing yourself when you're out doing whatever you do. You're representing our family, and what you do has uh, an effect on how people view the Wanglers. Well, in the same way, what I do as a Christian affects what people think of Christ. <laughs> Whether that's good or bad, it's the truth. When I represent, when I'm affiliated with someone, I have representation with them. You know, yourself, we obviously represent ourselves all the time, but even beyond these like institutions or identities, you know, you represent your beliefs every day based on what you do. You do. Every action, every, everything I say, it's a representation of what I believe. Um, here's another one for you your education. You're representing your education. I mean, I think that's why colleges have standards because they want people who are going to represent them well. Right? I mean, we're representing these things that we've obtained. Even our community. We represent community, don't we? I mean, if I go somewhere and I tell them I'm from Jefferson and then they have a terrible time or a great time, they're probably going to think some things about Jefferson based on what their interaction with me has had. In this similar way, and above all these other things, we represent Christ. Above my representation of the community of Jefferson, above my representation of myself, above my representation of my family, And even of like Abundant Life Ministries as a local church, I represent Jesus. I represent Christ because before all of this, when I was born again, I was called as an ambassador of him, of Christ. And so above all these other things, I represent Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want to represent him well. Amen. I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to do the job, I want to do it well. If I'm going to have the, you know, and there's like an, almost an authority, there's an influence. That's what a good word to use would be. There is an influence with being an ambassador, with being a representative. I'm influencing the way people think about Jesus. Definitely because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian. Everybody's, I hope everybody's probably had a great interaction with a Christian. I want everybody to have a great interaction with a Christian. But... When people have bad interactions, it has influence on them as well. And it can change the way they think not only about me or about my family, but it can change the way people think about Christ. 
So let's get to this part of the message this morning, dress code. And this is the title this morning, dress code. And if, if it turns into a series, which I think it's going to, it'll be dress code, dress code. And, and what God was kind of tying together for me in this series is that ambassadors have a dress code. Ambassadors have a way that they're meant to represent. You know, I was thinking about some of the most um, inappropriate or worst situations where somebody doesn't show up to do a job like they should have been prepared to do it. Let me give you the couple examples I thought of. Um, the first one that came to mind was like a construction worker that shows up without a hard hat or a tool belt. I mean, that's, and maybe it doesn't seem like a big deal, but you're kind of asking for bad news. Imagine you're working on a site where there's stuff swinging around and you bonk your head. You got the helmet on, you're good to go, but man, you don't have your dress code up to par and you could get in trouble. You could get hurt. Or if you don't show up with your belt, you're not going to be able to do the work right. I mean, it can really be a detriment. It can hurt you and it doesn't represent the company. I mean, anybody who's in labor like that, if OSHA shows up and the hard hats aren't on, you're in trouble, right? You're not representing the way you're supposed to. And the company will be affected based on what you've done. Here's another one. This is kind of funny. I thought about a livestock worker showing up to work in flip-flops. <laughs> Just give that one a minute to stick. <laughs> it's a bad... Look, I've got some birds out at my acreage, and I have boots that come up to my knees because it would be a bad situation to go out with flip-flops on. We want to show up dressed for the job. We want to show up with appropriate attire, with the right equipment on. Um, we want to come as ambassadors for Christ, properly dressed, properly prepared. And so we have a dress code as Christians. And this is where I want to go to Colossians 3, verse 12 in the Amplified today. We as Christians, we have a dress code. This is probably a different way than you've thought about this before, but there are things we are told to put on. Just like I put on my mud boots or a hard hat or a tool belt when I'm doing certain things. Just like we put on these external things to prepare for a job we've been called to do. We as Christians have things spiritually we are meant to put on. Heart things we're meant to put on. You know, we, you've probably heard about the armor of God before, and maybe that'll even be something we get to in this about putting on the full armor of God. In a similar way, there's, there's these other things we're going to get into today. We're supposed to put on so that we can show up to work as ambassadors for Christ, fully dressed and fully prepared. Let's read Colossians 3, verse 12 out of the Amplified. It says, so as God's own chosen people who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose, and well-beloved by God himself... Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper. And so this morning as we start this series, I want to talk to you about the things we are supposed to put on. What our Christian dress code looks like. I'll give you the summary of these things again, and these are what we're going to tear into over the next couple weeks Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper. Put on the things we need to do the job. Put on the things we need to represent God well. You know, this reminded me of when I was in Bible college. We had a dress code. We had a, a, it wasn't really a uniform, but we had a set of parameters we had to follow to represent Rhema. And part of that was... 
You couldn't wear jeans except on Fridays, and you could only wear the jeans on Fridays if you had a Rama branded shirt to wear with them. And so we had a very specific dress, and a lot of people didn't follow it, which I thought was wrong. Like you're at Bible college, and you're not going to follow the dress code. Okay, a little rebellion thing there. But I, uh, I, I realized there is a dress code meant to follow if I'm going to represent this place. If I'm going to be affiliated with this place, then I got to show up to standard. And in the same way with God, I want to show up to standard every day. I want to show up prepared and and correctly outfitted to do what he's called me to do. So I want us to go through these things we're supposed to put on. And the first one of those is compassion. Compassion is the first thing we're told to put on, a heart of compassion. Now compassion, and and I'm going through these words because I almost looked at it like these are the the clothes in my closet that I need to put on every day. All right, I, I just want you to have this picture. We're putting on these clothes, getting ready for the day every day. It's a decision to put these on. And I can tell you, not all of these things are just going to come naturally to us. There might be some that come more naturally than others for certain people, but these are things that we have to make an intentional choice to put on every day. You know, when I was going to Bible college, I didn't accidentally end up in my polo one day. I made a choice to put it on so that I could represent Rama well. Just like this morning, I put these clothes on to represent the church well. You know, we've all had the nightmare where you show up way underprepared for something You know, like in your underwear, those are terrible dreams. (laughs) I've had that dream. It's a bad dream. That would be bad. Show up in your underwear. I mean, like I've had this, like I can picture it, except I'm not fully clothed. And I'm like, oh, this is awful. And it's live stream. So that is not how you want to show up. I make a choice when I wake up in the morning to get prepared to come and do what I'm going to do that day. In the same way, we need to get prepared to go and do what we're called to do in Christ. The first thing is a heart of compassion. Compassion. Here's some definition for you, and this is studying out the word that's used for it. I'm going back and and pulling other statements. I like to do that. I like to get this richer understanding of what a word means. Compassion, uh, a simple definition is a deep feeling for one. A deep feeling for one is something that is used to describe passion. A deep feeling for one. Here's a statement I found in in studying out the history of this word, compassion. It says, the the bowels where compassion resides, which is the heart. See, compassion, part of the way we have to understand it is it's it's this deep felt thing towards another person it's it's the deep feeling for another some people would liken it to like sympathy or empathy it's it's this idea of i am i am understanding or i am knowing what you're feeling or what you're going through or where you're at but not just like in a mental way this isn't a mental ascent like i can put the dots together i can do two plus two equals four and understand what you're going through right now oh yeah that happened and that happened so that's a really bad situation compassion isn't just understanding what a person's going through compassion is is feeling deeply for a person from you know the bowels the deep inner part of who we are it's not the surface understanding it's a deep um, inner feeling and consideration for another person i want to give you a biblical example of someone who had a lot of compassion we're going to go to ruth one ruth one and ruth is a person who exemplified compassion in a in a really big way i mean uh, let's look at this story i'll give you some background while you turn to ruth one verse 16 and give you the backstory on ruth um, she was the daughter of a woman named Naomi, and um, they had they had come from the, Naomi had come from the land of Judah with her husband Elimelech, 
And um, they had taken wives. They went to the land of Moab and they took these wives, which um, Ruth was one of them. So Naomi and her son or her um, husband, Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, they had two sons. They went to the land of Moab. They took wives in that land from a foreign land. And then a number of years later, like 10 years later, after her husband had passed away, both of her sons died too. And so it's Naomi and these two daughter-in-laws in this foreign land of Moab. And Naomi um, makes a decision because there, there was a, a drought, but then Judah, where she was from, they were having fruitful harvests. And she decided, I'm going to go back to the place I'm from now that my husband and both of my sons are dead. Um, I'm going to go back to this place. And she tells her daughter-in-laws, both of them, Ruth being one of them, and then the other, um, which was like Orpha or something. It's something like that. Um, the two of them, she tells them, you stay here and make a new life for yourself. You know, my sons are dead. By the time I get back to Judah, remarry and like have new sons that are old enough for you guys to take as husbands, which was what the culturally acceptable thing would have been to do at that time. She said, you will be too old to start this life. So you should just go back to your land of Moab. I'm going to leave and go home. We're just going to call this the end of our relationship. It's getting too hard. We've lost too much. I'm going to go back home and start over there. You guys stay here, start over, find new people, have a happy life. You know, hopefully we can catch up again some other day. It was that kind of thing. And so they are leaving and, and Naomi says, you guys need to leave. You need to go and do your own thing. I'm going to, I'm going to go on. You stay here. And Ruth replies to Naomi when she's trying to make this division, which was good intentioned. She says to Naomi, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And so we see this. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty strong thing for Ruth to say as her mother-in-law is trying to do this thing that's really meant to be good for Ruth. She says, I won't do what's maybe best for me on the outside because I care so much for you that, that I can't leave you to just go and figure it out all on your own. She had a great level of, of uh, sensitivity and compassion and feeling for Naomi so much so that she really probably sacrificed what looked like would have been best for Ruth so that she could care for Naomi. And one of the things we'll see this morning is that compassion is going to lead into the next thing, which is kindness. As we put on compassion, we're also going to put on kindness because kindness is an outflow of compassion. So compassion, we see it's this inner thing where I have this understanding, this knowing, this feeling for you. It's not just, I see what you're going through. That sounds hard, too bad, you know. I'll be thinking about you. It is, I am, I am here with you. I am in this with you. I'm feeling this with you. I'm going to go through this. I'm going to care with you. You know, one of the things that's interesting about Ruth is the opposite of compassion is ruthless. Ruthless. That's pretty cool, right? Ruthless. And so we could just look at, you know, ruthlessness as the exact opposite of compassion and say, what would the ruthless thing be to do in this situation? Let's do the opposite of that. And that's, that's compassion. And so um, we see compassion is a total regard. So here's, here's a definition for ruthlessness. Total disregard for the feeling or reality of another person. And so if we're taking the opposite of that, compassion is a total regard, a deep consideration for the feelings and realities of another person. Compassion is a deep regard, a deep care for the reality and the feelings of another individual. 
I want to look at 1 Peter 5, verse 7. And we're going to see Jesus. I mean, he was the ultimate when it comes to compassion. He exemplified compassion better than anyone else ever could. It says 1 Peter 5, 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. See, this is what compassion is going to lead you to do. Like, like Jesus, he received all of the cares. Which is something when we read this verse, we might not always think about that. But Jesus had to receive all the cares that we put upon him. If we don't believe that Jesus will receive them, then we cannot give them to him. If I don't believe Jesus will take it from me, I can't give it to him. And so as we cast all our cares upon Jesus, we have to recognize he had a great compassion for me to take the cares. You know, a lot of time we have the adversity to taking the cares of another person. You know that? I've just been learning about like, guarding your energy because Taylor and I are doing premarital counseling and we're learning about how to get along with other people and that kind of thing. And we learned about guarding one another's energy and how sometimes people will do things to, to guard myself so that I don't have to deal with your stuff. So we do that as people. Anybody else? Don't raise your hands. We, we, we may have these guards we put up, which really are a guard of compassion to say, I don't want to get involved. Anybody ever said, don't raise your hands to that either. I don't want to get involved in this because it's going to drain me too much. I don't want to get involved with this because it's going to take too much. <laughs> That's the opposite of compassion. Compassion wants to get involved and help get you out. That's what Jesus did. He got involved and he got us out. Amen. He came, he took our cares and then he rose to life. I mean, he, he, resurrect, he was resurrected. And so um, Jesus is the perfect picture of compassion. I'm not going to go there for time, but Mark 6, verse 32 through 34, if you want to write the reference down, is a, great, uh, is a great instance of Jesus being compassionate. He had wanted to go and get some prayer time alone. Him and his disciples were trying to get away from the crowds because they'd been ministering. And then they show up in this like desert place. And the crowds show up too, and they want to start hearing from him. And so he doesn't do the thing that he wanted to do, which was to go and be alone. He went ahead and did what was good for them. He took compassion on them, is what it says in uh, Mark 6, 32. And he preached to them. And then he fed the 5,000 because they were hungry. And so compassion considers other people. You know, I mentioned a minute ago about how sometimes we put guards up. And really, it's, it's a distancing of compassion. Galatians 6, verse 2 speaks directly to this and you can't tell me that the bible doesn't have answers and things that are applicable for today it says bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ you know this this thing where i'm going to guard and i'm just going to do me and be around you and we'll all just kind of get along and act like you know we're all good that's not what we're called to do as people that love one another as christ has commanded because that's the law of christ you know that it's the law of love love your neighbor as yourself love the lord your god most high we're supposed to love. And so part of loving is bearing one another's burdens. And I don't, I don't believe that that means every single thing every person goes through, I have to make it my own personal mission to solve it. But it does mean that I'm going to be, of, number one, I'm going to be available. And number two, I'm going to be considerate. You know, when somebody starts talking to me and sharing about something, I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, cool. Well, you know, I'll be praying for you. I'm not trying to like make anybody feel conviction this morning. I do a little bit. I'm not just going to be like, you know, I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll be thinking of you. Compassion steps into the situation. Compassion is there for it. it. It bears one another's burdens. And I'll say this about bearing one another's burdens. It doesn't mean we're just, I'm going to go through this awful thing with you. And we're just going to be locked under this burden together forever. 
What that is talking about is help each other get free. Cast it off. You know, sometimes I get, I'm thinking about being at the gym. And sometimes when I'm at the gym, we do squats. And sometimes we do a little too much squat. And then I, I get stuck down there. And I need some help. I need somebody to help me with the burden. And so when that happens, I'm grateful that there's people around that can help lift me up and get it off of me. This is how our life is supposed to be because Christ has already taken all of our burdens. Well, sometimes I feel like I'm so weighed down. Maybe I'm so focused and fixated on the weight that I don't see the way to just cast it off on Christ. That's where I need a brother in Christ to come and love me enough to get in it with me and say, let's get you free of this thing. That's bearing one another's burdens. It doesn't mean let's both just take more pressure and more weight and and more awful things in life. Let's get free and let's get free together. Amen. I love the body of Christ because we can get free together. We can encourage one another. That's why it's so important to come to church. It says it in Hebrews 10 verse 25. We need the edification. We need the exhortation. We need to build each other up and help each other get free. Amen. Compassion is an expression of love, and love is the law of Christ. And so, um, this is part of what I wrote down for compassion. The, the less self-focused I am, or maybe we could say it this way, the less selfish I am, the more compassionate I can be for other people. Because compassion gets outside of me and focuses on others. It, not just in mind and like the surface thing. It... it gets my heart involved with other people. And so selflessness or selfishness less is going to get me outside of self and it's going to get me involved with other people. And so compassion, it's this internal feeling and and consideration for another. Let's look at kindness now. The second thing I want us to talk about this morning, kindness in Romans 11, verse 22 through 23. We're talking about the things we put on as ambassadors for Christ because I represent Him I want to be dressed like him. I want to show up spiritually with the things I need to be his ambassador. You know, if a United States ambassador showed up in another country and they were like wearing a different country's flag, I wouldn't know that they were an ambassador for us. If someone showed up, you know, I'm thinking about like an Iowa senator or something and they showed up and they're not, they're not giving you any indication that they're from Iowa. I'd be like, well, who are you really here to serve anyway? I want to show up dressed with Christ. I want to show up put, with putting on Christ-likeness so that people will know who I'm here to serve and who I'm on mission for. Let's read Romans eleven twenty-two through 23. And so compassion is one of those things we put on. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe toward those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in His kindness. But if you stop trusting, you'll be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again, for God has the power to graft them back into the tree. We're talking about kindness now is the second thing this morning that we're supposed to put on, put on to be ambassadors for Christ. And I love how this this scripture shows us about kindness because what it's referencing is the grace of God, is the giving of God to send his son for us so that we can be brought into the tree of life. You know, it sounds harsh, and and I'll be the first one to say that. I read Romans 11, verse 22, and at first glance, it kind of sounds harsh. Notice God is both kind and severe. He's severe toward those who disobeyed, but kind to you. And if you continue to trust in his kindness, but if you stop trusting, you'll also be cut off. In order to fully understand what this is talking about, we have to understand the context, which is, is discussing how there were Jewish believers, well, there were Jewish people who refused to believe Jesus who refused to believe in God sending his only begotten son to save the world. 
That was his kindness. Sending his son was his kindness that's being referred to here. Those who um, believe he's been kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. If you continue to have faith in the fact that God has been kind and sent his son for you, then you're going to stay in the kindness of God. He's going to continue to be kind to you. The only people that he's severe to are the people who reject Jesus. And that lines up with the gospel and the message of grace and all the wonderful things we talk about. It lines up with righteousness. It's not, and, and I say this because I think we could read this and we say, he's severe toward those who disobeyed. If I just took that and highlighted it, then I could beat you over the head with all the disobedience in the world and make you think that God is, God is being severe to you today because you disobeyed. You woke up five minutes late for church, and so God is going to be severe to you. Would you love it if I preached like that? I would hate preaching like that. I would never do it. That's not what this is talking about. It's not, if you mess up, God's going to kill you. That's not what it's saying at all. It's saying God has been kind and provided his son for you, and it's the people who are disobedient by rejecting Jesus. That's who is going to feel the severity. Those are the ones that are going to end up in hell. Those who have rejected Jesus. His kindness is the fact that he made a way for us to join his family. His kindness was offering his son. And so one of the things we see with kindness, it is is more external than compassion. It It is an action. It is a giving thing. This is referencing putting faith in Jesus, which required his kindness to give his son. It required the kindness of God to give his only begotten son. Some of Israel didn't believe it. You know, his, his kindness toward us is the element of his love that caused him um, to give his only son. So kindness is a part of love. Okay, just like compassion. We saw that the love of uh, the law of love in Christ. Okay, love is going to produce compassion. Love is also going to produce kindness. All right. And so if we I don't have a whiteboard to like draw it up here, but imagine we have the word love. We're really breaking that word down a little bit today and talking about some of the things that we find working in love. So if I'm putting on love which is actually where the Colossians 3 verse goes. After they talk about everything else, it says, put on love above all these other things. One of the elements of love is going to be compassion. Another one is kindness. Kindness is this acting out your love. Kindness is acting out, acting upon love. And so we, and I'll say this about kindness. You probably know kindness if you've received kindness. Have you ever received kindness from somebody? And there's kind of different levels to kindness too. And I think it has a correlation to the depth of love or maybe even the depth of compassion like we were talking about before. You know, I can do really like kind, kind of surfacey, cheap things. But the kindness we're talking about here isn't just like a cheap, you know, hey, I bought you a coffee. I mean, maybe that's a kind thing to do. But it's not, it's not the kindness that is like really sacrificial in a deeper way. There is maybe a sacrifice, you know, paying something. Let's, let's look at a de- definition quickly here about kindness. Kindness is goodness and uprightness. I wrote this down about kindness. It's always on the positive. It's always building. It's always, um, it's always the growing side of things. Kindness isn't going to retract. Kindness isn't going to tear down. Kindness isn't going to belittle. Kindness is, well, it's kind. It's good. It's upright. Here's the other element of kindness. As, we, as I've studied out the word and the definitions, the other thing I see is, is goodness, uprightness, but then the other part of kindness is usefulness. Meeting of needs is part of kindness too. So here's a, here's a part of kindness. The God kind of kindness is a good value adding measure. Kindness adds value. 
Kindness builds up. Kindness supports. Kindness helps. I wrote this down about kindness. It's possible to have usefulness without goodness. And it's possible to have goodness without usefulness. I'll read read that again. It's possible to have usefulness without goodness. And it's also possible to have goodness without usefulness. These are the two elements I find about kindness, studying it out. Kindness is good and it's useful. Kindness isn't just this, hey, feel better today. You know, that's good. That's a good thing to say, but how useful is that? And, and maybe there's a circumstance where it is. Kindness is both. Kindness is the perfect balance between usefulness and goodness. You know, it makes me think about um, the conversation about like saying the truth in love. Have you ever heard that talked about speaking out the truth in love? That, that could be like kindness is that done right. Kindness is truth spoken in love. Kindness is, you know, action that's good for somebody um, and is also productive and useful and helpful and builds up. Because there are things that we could do that might feel good, but they're not useful. They're not helpful. They're not productive. You know that? There, there are things that are like that. Might feel good, might make me feel better for a little while, but in the end, it's not helping me at all. In fact, maybe it's taking something away. On the opposite side, we can also have usefulness without compassion, without any kind of feeling or goodness, and that's just like bullying. I mean, that's like a tyrant. I mean, there have been people that have been really like useful and been horrible people. You know that? I mean, this seems like an extreme thing to go to, but to give you a picture, Hitler got a lot of stuff done, but it was terrible stuff. There was a lot of utility happening, a lot of objectives being accomplished. He built some stuff. It was just terrible stuff. Kindness mixes usefulness and goodness together, and the product is something good being built, value being added. You see that this morning. Kindness is this value-adding element of action. Kindness involves caring for others, which is an action to care for somebody. I mean, you could say it's just an internal thing, but if I care, if I have compassion, if I have love for someone, I'm, I'm going to act on it. God certainly did by giving His Son. He cared for us. He loved us. He had compassion on us. So He gave. There's an action element, and that is, is kind of the utility along with the goodness You know, I was thinking about the random acts of kindness sort of thing, which really is just, it's treating someone like they have value. You know, kindness, that's what kindness is going to do. It's going to treat someone, it's going to act towards someone like they're valuable, like they're loved. I mean, that might just be, maybe that's the thing you need to get a hold of to get kindness. I know it's helped me. To to be kind towards someone, I have to believe that they have value. I have to have a a level of love for them. And the greater love I have, the more kind I'm going to be. Again, we see it with the Father. He loved us so much that He sent His only Son. That was a high level of love which produced a high level of kindness. The greater love I feel towards someone, the greater love I have towards someone, the kinder I will be toward them. Isn't that true? And, and sometimes maybe we have an idea of what kindness looks like, but we're missing part of the balance. I think sometimes about like parenting. I mean, I've, I've talked with people before where it's like, I want to do the right thing. I don't want to go too far on one side, but I don't want to go too far on the other side. Kindness is, is the balance. Kindness is doing what is useful and helpful, but doing it in a good way, in a productive way, in a non-destructive way. You see that this morning. Kindness is the balance of, of usefulness and goodness. And so these acts of kindness, um, I think they, they just show, they express this internal level of love and care. I believe kindness 
should be a differentiating factor between the church and the world. I think this is something we see. That's why we're told to put it on, is because we're supposed to look different than the world looks. And I think the world understands kindness, kind of. The world kind of understands kindness. There is, I think, an understanding of, of being nice to people, but I think sometimes that can come out of wanting something in return. I think sometimes we're kind with expectation of something else. God's kind of kindness is, is caring and kind and good and useful without demanding reciprocity. I don't have to get it back in order to give it to you. That's the loving kindness that we're talking about today. And so the world's kind of kindness is contingent, I think, a lot of the time. It's contingent. You have to do this for me before I'll be kind back to you. You have to prove yourself to me before I'll be kind to you. That's not God's kind of kindness. I mean, we're told to love our enemies. We ought to be showing kindness. As hard of a thing as that seems to do, we ought to be showing kindness to the world. We're called to do we're told to put it on, right? We're told to put on kindness, so I gotta I gotta be kind. I gotta dress myself with kindness so I can be the ambassador that God has called me to be. And in order to do that, I have to care about people. And I care about people by understanding that God cares about people. I have to understand that God so loved the world that he sent his son. And so I ought to have a love, a heart for the world too. I ought to have a compassion for the world too. I ought to care about the world too. And realize, hey, they're sinners just like I used to be nothing but a sinner. They are in a position that I, I can understand it. And God sent his son to be man so that, there, that he had lived through it. You know, it says that, that he was not tempted other than what we have endured. He has endured all the temptation that we face. He's endured all the things that we've faced because God sent his son to be man so that man could be delivered. Jesus had compassion. He understood the world because he lived as a man. You know, I might not have done everything that some other person has done, but I can tell you I have fallen short of the glory of God just like any other person has, just like any person in the world has. And so I ought to be able to have an understanding of what it's like to be lost. I ought to have an understanding of what it was like before God came in and changed my life. I don't want to go back there because this is a whole lot better, but I ought to have the compassion and then the kindness to reach out to them and show them the love of God. Amen. Here's a, just kind of a summary for kindness this morning. The spirit produced goodness, which meets the need and avoids human harshness. It's avoiding the harshness that can sometimes come with utility. It's by the spirit producing goodness. We know that kindness is a fruit of the spirit. That's in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. The spirit produces goodness. It produces kindness in us. And so kindness is it's a loving offering. It is giving that which is good and useful. I, I wrote down some examples. I'll just give them to you quick with some reference. Um, forgiveness is, is a kindness to give to somebody. It's kind to forgive. You know that? And we could find a, a reference in Ephesians 4.32 for forgiveness. We're meant to forgive people. It's a kind thing to do. It's offering um, something out of mercy and grace to give kindness. Um, to do good to lend without expectation, and to love your enemies. You'll find that in Luke 6.35. Those are all kind things to do. To do good because I have a love and I want to represent Christ well, that's a kind thing. To lend without expectation, it's a kind thing. To love your enemies, that's a kind thing to do. <clears throat> and uh, I will give you this one. Let's go to Titus 3, verses 4, and then we're going to jump ahead to verse 7. 
says, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, and then he, he, as Paul writes to Titus, he kind of has all of these breaks and adds all these things, but then we can jump ahead and get to what he was talking about. So he says, um, when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of his eternal life. God's kindness was offering his grace. It was giving us his grace. That was an action of God's kindness toward us. And so we see this. It is, it is the offering of something that is good and useful, good and helpful, good and strengthening, good and building. This is what kindness looks like. And we've got the perfect image of it with God. You know, I wrote this down, and this is where I want us to end today. If the worship team would come on up and start playing as we wrap our service up this morning. Um, I was just thinking about this question. What does compassion look like for me today? What does kindness look like for me today? You know, compassion, we said earlier, it's more of an internal thing. And so I would say compassion probably looks like just taking time to, to really get involved with people, to really go beyond the surface level conversations with people. I think we're all too good at that today. I know for me, I am all too good. And maybe it's because we do so much online or we do so much kind of at arm's length, even more so now after 2020 and all the COVID stuff and people are all like living in these bubbles and that kind of thing. I mean, people are really like surfacey and kind of distant compassion has to get past that compassion has to get past distance compassion gets close compassion gets involved how can i do that today it might just start with sharing a meal with somebody and talking with them it might just start with genuinely praying with somebody not hey i'll pray for you later no it's like let's pray now let's talk now let's go deep now maybe it's just asking the question hey can I go deeper with you? Will you? Can we talk more about that? Are you okay like sharing more about that? Because it seems like there's more here and I want to really be here for you. I don't just want to brush this off and go on like it never happened. Let me get involved. That's compassion. How can we be kind today? I wrote down a couple of examples. I think listening and, and compassion and kindness are so closely tied together. How can I put on kindness today? I think listening to people is a way that we can be kind. People, a lot of people just want someone to listen. And if we take the time, and I'm not just saying like stand there, kind of look around, hear what they're saying. No, I mean like listen, get engaged. Again, with the compassion thing, right? Praying for and following up. You know, don't, hey, I prayed one time. I guess we're good. Follow up. I mean, stay involved. That's a kind thing to do. Lend a hand, help out. Offer, I mean, if you got time, you got skills, you got abilities, offer to help. That's a kind thing to do. It's good, it's useful, it's building, it's productive. Give them time. Man, time is, is so valuable. And we've all got it. Maybe some feel like we have less than others. You've got time somewhere. I know we all do. We've all got time somewhere. Be kind. Give some time. That almost rhymed. Share a meal with someone. Give them time. Be encouraging. It's a great way to be kind towards someone. Just encourage them. And really, really encourage them, you know? Uh, not just kind of the pad compliment that we all get, like, really encourage them. Tell them something specific. Tell them something that is just for them. That's a kind thing to do. That, that builds somebody up. You know, we talk about goodness and usefulness, genuine encouragement, uplifting encouragement and exhortation like it's, we talk about in the Word. That builds something in a person. It builds an identity. It builds a surety. It builds a, a, a relationship. That's a good thing. You know that? It's a good thing and it's a kind thing. It's just be kind towards people. Amen. And, and I'm only telling you this because I found it here in the Word that we're supposed to put on compassion and kindness. Do you agree with that today? Would you stand up with me, church, as we close our service this morning? 
just want to encourage you. I'm going to kind of summarize. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And as such, we've got a dress code to follow. We have things that we're supposed to come prepared to life with each day. Things that we're meant to put on each day so that we can go and do what we've been called to do. Two of those things that are tied together this morning. Compassion and kindness. Compassion and kindness. Feel with people. Get involved with people. Care deeply with people. And then be kind towards people. Act it out. Live out love. I believe we're called to do these things. I believe these are things that set the church apart from the rest of the world. And that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to show people, hey, there is a better way. There is something better than the world system. Let's be compassionate and be kind, amen? Let's pray as we close service this morning. Father, I thank you for your word and for your direction that within your word you give us instruction on how to do the mission you've called us to do. We know what it is, Lord, to go and share the good news, to, to share with people how you have come and reconciled us back to you, that we're in relationship and near you again. And so, God, I thank you that we have our mission and I thank you that we get instruction in your word of how to accomplish it, how we can be different than the world, how we can come as ambassadors, not of ourself, not, not of, of world things, not of world institutions or companies, Lord, but of, of you, ambassadors and representatives of you. As we approach that every day, Lord, I thank you that you remind us, Holy Spirit, I ask you, remind us to be kind, to be compassionate, to have humility, Lord, to have goodness operating, gentleness operating in our life, patience operating in our life. Lord, help us remember to put on these things every day so that we can go and be ambassadors fully dressed to do the work you've called us to do. Thank you for it, Lord. I pray you are good and faithful. You've given us these, these things. You have changed us on the inside. Lord, we are able to do this. Not because we just want it so bad. Not because we're trying so hard. But we are able to be compassionate and kind because we've received it first from you. We've received your compassion and your kindness. We've received your love. We have your spirit inside of us who produces fruit, good fruit, useful fruit, productive fruit. And because of that, we can do this. We can live it out today. It's not all on us, Lord. You get all the glory because the ability is all yours. The, the production of it is all yours. We give you the glory for it today. And we just, we come into agreement today. I want to be a good ambassador. Church, would you say that with me today? I want to be a good ambassador. So I'm going to put on compassion and kindness for my Lord and my Savior, Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship as we close service this morning.